Welcome to another edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you, and the offseason for the Toronto Raptors is officially upon us. I didn't think it was going to come this early. I had higher expectations for the team at the beginning of the season, Jonesy, and certainly had higher expectations going into Wednesday night's game against the Chicago Bulls, but in spite of the fact that the Raptors had a 19-point lead in the third quarter, it slipped away from Toronto. Um, but also credit Chicago for continuing to play hard, continuing to battle, and especially Zach Levine turning on a monster performance in the fourth quarter in the second half overall, and Chicago moves on. Um, we'll talk about all of that and more in a couple of minutes. Alvin Williams is going to join us. We will discuss Wednesday's game, but also just look at the season in general. But on Thursday, locker cleanout day, that's what happens. The NBA lose, and what, 12 hours later, boom, guys are already packing up and maybe getting out of town. And here is the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse, discussing what his future may look like. Well, I think, yeah, I think, again, that that is certainly part of the evaluation of, of everything. Listen, I think that that when you ask me what my job is here, my job is is to make the best decisions for this organization. I've always I've always believed that from day one, and I and I still believe that ten years later. That that when you sit back and look at it. You know, all the decisions you make have to be for what's best for the organization, right? And I think that we got um, a front office or a president in Masai who pa passionately wants to win. And we got a head coach who passionately wants to win, right? That's, that's why we've always been, been on the same page and have a great level of communication. Like our goals are to win here, and that takes some evaluation on all fronts okay i know jonesy haven't said one word on the show yet but let me play one more for you before you jump in because then i want you to react to nick nurse here's more from nurse on his future the speculation of whether i was going to be back or not that started i have no idea where that comes from right or or what or what i was supposed to do about that right and what I thought was I needed to try to get the team or any of the players or anybody focused back on the job at hand, right? And try to not have to answer that question every game. You know, started coming, you know, started coming one after another after another, and I was trying to put it to bed, and so we could focus on the season. Again, it's part of it, right? I mean, I think it's part of it. There's there's lots of teams that go through that, and and. Um, you got to handle it the, the way you best see fit, and that's what I tried to do. All right, I'll throw it to you now, Jones. You heard a couple of comments there from Nick Nurse. Again, these came uh, on Thursday. What do you think? Um, you know, I as we talked about when he made the comments that you know night in Philadelphia in the pregame, uh, I, I I take it at face value. Um, you know, he's. He wants to win. Masai wants to win. Uh, they're going to sit and evaluate. And, you know, if part of the evaluation is we need to make a change with, you know, the coach or these certain players or what, like you take it at face value. So um, I, I'm not, I'm not in a flap about, oh, what's going to happen with the coach? Like it's, there's one of two outcomes. He, he stays or, you know, a move is made because it, they figure and he figures or whoever figures it's it's time to move on. So, I, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing in there is um, 
you know, Nick's, Nick is on the same page with the general manager. So if, and, and the president, and if that's the case, then I don't see a change. And I, and I thought he was right with getting out in front of it. This was reported. Well, instead of trying to answer it every game and the timing wasn't great, I'm going to get out in front of it and tell you, here's what's going to happen in the summer with me. And, you know, people are trying to take it and run with it that he's not going to be back or, you know, he wants an extension or management put that out there because they're greasing the skids. No, a, 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 an article was written and you just take it as, at, at face value and you see what happens. You know, to, to that point as well, and listen, we've been doing this a long time, so I, I think I think you would acknowledge and agree there's truth and lie. There's fact, there's fiction. But in all of this, there's always some gray area, right, in, in life, yeah. in almost everything in life. So I often find in that gray area when it comes to pro sports and when it comes to the relationship between um, – coach and writer or broadcaster media however you want to describe media player and media the gray area is where things can maybe get blurred and and here's the point i'm trying to make let's use the nick nurse situation as as the prime example seeing as that's what we're discussing report comes out is the report true who's the report attributed to are they unnamed sources or are they named sources? Now you're Nick Nurse. If you ignore the report and choose to say nothing and not address it, it's not going to go away. You'll still be asked about it, probably by your local writers and broadcasters and whatnot, but you're certainly going to be asked about it in every city you go to, especially if you end up going to a city that might have a coaching vacancy or that's attributed to or attached to, excuse me, not attributed to, attached to said rumors as well. The flip side is you address it. Well, now you've given it some legs by even talking about it, even if it's not true, but you've discussed it. So now you've discussed it, and in your hopes of maybe putting it to bed by addressing it and saying, that's that, you're still going to get those same questions from your local writers or broadcasters, let alone other writers and broadcasters in other cities that have their own follow-ups or that want to try and dig a little further. So either way, it's not going to go away. So what's the best route? Ignore it or address it? Look, I think, Nick, I think you address it because if not, then you it leads to more speculation and it become can become more rampant people may not take mm-hmm. what you say and if at you address it you can hopefully try and control it right 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 if you if you address it people may not you know take what you say at face value ah oh, he's just saying that or i don't believe that or uh, but you've addressed it here's what i said Here's what I said. And at this and at this present time, this is the way it is. And I'm not going to talk about it every game, every, you know, pregame. Right now, this is the way it is. If we want to talk at the end of the year, I'll dress it again. Or And he has, right? He said, I love it here. So I, I, to me, you kind of cut down on the speculation or you know, the, 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 the rumors running rampant. If you address it, they may not believe you, 
They may not agree with you. They may think there's a hidden agenda. There can be all kinds of they may and finish the sentence. But you've addressed it. All right. Well, you just mentioned about Nick Nurse saying on Thursday he loves Toronto. Well, let's hear those words. Let's hear the actual quote right now from Nick Nurse. My stance on the, my relationship with the front office is what I just said earlier. Like, Masai really wants to win. I really want to win. We're driving to try to figure out how to get back to a championship level, right? I think, again, our communication is open and honest with each other. That's all that I can say there. Like, I, again, don't have a whole lot of uncomfortable days working here with him, right? Even, even though when, you know, we all want better results. He wants them, I want them, especially from this season. Listen, I love it here, right? I love it here, and we've built a really strong culture. Right? We've got, again, that's what, that's what he's doing, to Bobby's doing, that's what I'm doing. We've got to all evaluate how we can get that culture back to where we need it and get back to um, you know, being a playoff team first and foremost and then getting, getting to a level of winning, winning it all. That's what we want to do. That's what we get up and go to work for for the last 10 years, both him and I, for 10 years. All right, so I'm going to play one more clip for you before we have a bit more of a discussion on this topic. Fred Van Vliet on Thursday having his uh, end of the season session with the media as well. And, you know, clearly he's a very important piece this coming off season for the Raptors in terms of whether he's back or not. That's going to have major trickle-down effect. That's something I'm sure we will discuss over the course of the show. But as it relates to Nick, here's what Fred had to say about Nick and Nurse's future with the Raptors. I haven't had that conversation with coach. I haven't had that conversation. I haven't heard that conversation from anywhere and I haven't had it with management. So um, to answer your question, honestly, yes, I would be surprised at this moment, you know, if he wasn't back next year. And I think he's, you know, he's got another year on his contract, right? So um, whatever happens, happens, they'll figure it out. You know, we're all grown ups in this league and understand everything's a business, but um, coach has got my full support. I love playing for him. Um, I've had some of my best years under him. Obviously, won a championship. Um, I think we got one of the best staffs in the league. And um, like I said before, everybody has things that they can do better, including myself. So I just focus on what I need to do better and let everything else work itself out. Okay, so Jonesy, you've got. And I don't, I don't want to be guilty of being naive here. Again, as I said off the top of the show, we've been around a long time. You know, we, we've seen the pro and the con and the fact and the fiction, and there's always that gray area. You got a coach saying that he wants to be here, that he loves being here, and talks about the culture that's been established and wanting to build a winner and getting back to a championship and building a mindset and a mentality here. He's saying that he's in lockstep with the similar mentality of the president and the general manager who both have that winning championship mentality and, and they're on the same page and they have that winning drive. You've got the former all-star point guard, championship point guard, who may or may not be back next year saying – that he has that mentality and he appreciates that it's been that same approach for a decade now and he's got a great relationship with the coach, then where does this stuff come from that Nick Nurse may or may not be back next year, the Raptors may or may not make a change, and why does this even come up? And I would say further to that, why did the team have so many issues then this year in terms of trying to kind of find consistency if – everybody seemingly is on the same page, but they weren't able to actually put it together and have it unfold properly on the floor. I know I threw you like three, four different things there, but it's kind of all in the pot together. Yeah, I, listen, um, the consistency issue is something that, uh, you know, they, they, have been, they were fighting all year, and I think it just uh, it comes down to uh, the combination of talent, communication, 
and execution. That's those those things can look after some of your consistency issues, especially uh, the 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 execution and and communication that kind of stuff. I mean, you can make up for some of the. I mean, talent wins. You can make up for some of it though by being on the same page, doing what you're supposed to do, staying disciplined, and not giving up. Uh, you know, things that will make it difficult for you. So, uh, I, listen, I mean, it's sometimes it's it's one of those years. It's one of those years. And I, as I said, the, last night's game was a perfect example of the year, the way the year went, and you saw it all, all in a nutshell from the great potential recognized through the first two and a half quarters having a 19-point lead and then all the questions arising in the last quarter and a half as to why this team wasn't a better team all year, and eventually they lost the game. Okay, more from Fred Van Vliet moving away from the Nick Nurse stuff. Clearly, as I said, lots with Fred this offseason and the pending free agency. He was asked point blank, had anything that happened this year, will it have an impact on, well, maybe your decision or your contract and what could unfold in the offseason here's freddie uh no i don't think so i think the relationship's in a good place i think that like i said before we've built something special here i think that um just my whole nba life is here you know what i mean so i think that holds some value and some weight i think the relationship with management and coaching and whatever is is all in a great place um, and and that hasn't changed. Uh, I don't I don't want to necessarily go through another season like this. I think that we can certainly be better than we were this year. Um, but no. Well, Jonesy, um, listen on on April what thirteenth. I don't know if we could expect Fred Van Bleet to say anything else. Here's my gut though. Again, on April thirteenth, two months, two plus months before a decision. Uh, let alone an announcement is is even going to be made from him or from the team regarding his future, his status, whatever it may be. I have nothing but the utmost respect for Fred Van Vliet as a person, let alone as a player. I think he's just a solid dude, period. I would like to see him back because I think he's a guy that I would look at in a Lowry-type role or the significance of having a veteran guard, an all-star guard, a championship guard, who could be a starter, even if his role changes or is reduced slightly or is altered a little bit, and is he a guy that could be a legacy guy that ends up being here for his entire career or for the majority of his career, the, the biggest chunk of his career. I think the issue would be, and I say this with all the respect in the world, at this stage of his career, and it's not that he's like, 38 years old and knocking on the door of retirement, but at this stage, is he a guy that you would want to pay $30, $35 million a year for? That's, I guess, going to be the issue because you have to look and then and then say, all right, bang for buck. I'm not talking for Freddie, any player. The dollars that are being thrown around now for players, for professional athletes, athletes excuse me, in all leagues, if you're going to be committing – that amount of money and that chunk of your payroll and thus your cap to one guy, you better make sure that guy is like all-world, all-star, and no skips, no beats, no whatever, because that's a hell of a lot of a commitment financially to make. Yeah, it is. 
It is. Um, but listen, as Fred said, the relationship, he feels it's in a good place. And uh, yeah, I hope it that is. would give. Yeah, that would give the Raptors. You would at least think the inside track uh, on re-signing Fred. Of course, the price has to be right or it has to be in the ballpark. And he's won here. I mean, you, you, some things that, you know, don't come into play, like he's that people may not see. He's got a young family. Uh, they know Toronto. Uh, this is his home. It's it, Right now, it's, it's tough to uproot your kids. Like, all of these things factor in. And if, you know, you have to figure if the money's around the right range, he's going to come back. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not, he wouldn't be open for, you know, a new adventure or going somewhere else or, you know, seeking a change. But, you know, you, I believe him when he says the relationship is in a good place and they, they've showed faith in him. Uh, they gave him one contract already that was good. And gave him the right to say, you can go and seek more money somewhere else, but just give us a chance to talk to you. Well, that's going to happen this year. So uh, I, I'm with you, Eve, with, with all your statements there. I, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And now all the, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I didn't mean to cut you and, off. And, and, and I, think, I, I think he's still a guy that, you know, he's, got, he's still got some good years in him. Look at the way he's played over the last little while when he's been in the leadership role. I think he's done well. And I'll say this as well, and I think I'm speaking for both of us. We've already discussed 10 minutes into the show here the fact that there will likely be changes next year. I'm sure that's something we'll get into later on when Alvin Williams joins us and whatnot. We've got lots to discuss over the course of this show. But we can't sit here and say that we both think that there will be changes and the team right now that just finished against the Bulls is not going to look the same when fall comes around. But then also in the same breath go, and Fred will be back, and Pascal will be back, and OG will be back, and Scotty Barnes will be back, and Gary Trent. No, there's like one of those core guys, if not a couple of those core guys, in all likelihood is going to be gone if changes are going to be made, or at least significant changes. I just don't know who those players may be. And maybe there's a chance that they're all back, but I've got to assume that at least one of those core guys will be gone by the time we open up training camp next, you know, late September, early October. Um, I just don't know that it would be a guy like Fred because I'm leery of what the point guard position specifically looks like without having Fred there because I think the cupboard is kind of bare. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not seeing a plan that's in place because heck, we're still a couple of months away from those plans really coming to fruition as we are mid-April and free agency not hitting until July. Um, one of those core guys I just spoke of, Scotty Barnes. Uh, he also chatted on Thursday, locker cleanout for the second-year player, coming off his rookie of the year. Had a pretty solid season, but a lot of people felt that, you know, they thought he might take a little bit more of a leap. So when he looks ahead to next year and what his off-season might look like, here's what he had to say. Say probably just change up, like, uh, my conditioning-wise and just try to get a lot of conditioning and I feel like that, that I think I probably need a different level of conditioning for the way I want to play um, I feel like I play very hard on the defensive end so I feel like it'll take a different level of, uh, of conditioning that I really just probably really work on this summer I put a lot of a lot of thinking into what I really want to become and what I really want to be um, and I feel like that's how I really look at the things and how I see myself as a player. Um, 
I know how I want to get better, and I just want to constantly keep trying to develop in each and every single way where I just want to want to make it to the top of the league and be one of those better players in the league. So it's just going to take a different level of, of a mindset, of work. Um, so those are things that you just got to put into. I put a lot of pressure on myself to get better, but I don't really look at the outside noise, as you could say. Jonesy, I, I hate making these comparisons. I don't do it very often, but I'm going to break my own rules here. Three, three, not, three guys come to the top of my mind for a second, and you can tell me if I'm totally out to lunch on these guys. When I think of Scotty Barnes, I don't know if he can be Jason Tatum. But could he breed Jalen Brown? And if he can't be Jalen Brown, then what's his ceiling? Is it OG Ananobi? Because maybe OG still has another step to make and another stride to make. Like, what what do you see as the best Scotty Barnes can be now that you've seen this dude play for two full years? And if, I underscore if, he can actually elevate his game offensively like he was just discussing and pull it in line with what he's already shown us defensively and what he showed us in a Rookie of the Year campaign, how good can this dude be? I, I think you're talking a multiple-time All-Star. Uh, you know, last year in his rookie season, one uh, an assistant coach looked at me and said, "That kid, that kid is Giannis with a jump shot." Well, <laughs> Giannis is a pretty good player. I mean, that's one person's evaluation, but you know, the length, the athleticism, the IQ, the unselfishness—he's got all the tools. Yeah, he's got to become a better shooter, and I don't mean you know, just being able to make that a, another part of his game that is a threat. He can score on the inside. He can take the ball to the goal. He handles it well. Like I said, he passes well. He can defend multiple positions. He's, he's got every tool in the box. So what's his ceiling? Like, I, yeah, he could be a Jason Tatum. He could be. He could be a guy that if he's on the right team years to come with his development going in the right direction – on a winning team, you might hear his name out there for, uh, you know, for the MVP. I, I just, I, I think he's got a really high ceiling. We don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, he's going to have to experience uh, these things that he's going through now. Some of the losses, the scars, uh, the heartbreak. You know, I, I'll never, ever forget the words of Butch Carter talking about his two young stars. Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady and saying they will have to go through something terrible in their careers around losing and losing close games and suffer the heartache that will drive them to become better players. You know what? They've left Toronto. They've had heartaches. They've had tough times. Um, Tracy's in the Hall of Fame. And if, if Vince isn't headed for the Hall of Fame, then then I don't know basketball. So... Uh, you know, Scotty's got to experience some of that and he needs getting a taste of it in his first couple of years. I mean, last year he was in the playoffs and he didn't really get to play because he got hurt. And, and this year he gets one game and he's knocked out after losing a 19-point lead. Those things build battle scars and, you know, that's what you think about in the summer when you go into the gym. That's what's driving you to make you better. And if he's got that kind of work ethic and he's talked about, you know, advanced conditioning, then you know what? This this kid has a really high ceiling.
So, of course, the Raptors lose to the Chicago Bulls in the play-in tournament. The Raptors season has come to an end. The offseason is upon us. It's going to be a little bit longer than we had hoped for or, or uh, anticipated, but lots to discuss right now as we bring into the conversation former Toronto Raptor man who's I remember back in the day when this dude put on a Philadelphia Flyers hat during locker cleanup when the Leafs were playing the Flyers in the postseason. Man, that ruffled some feathers. Uh, of course, Sportsnet broadcaster and uh, one of the all-time fan favorites, Alvin Williams. Al, we're probably going to jump all over the place here because we'll look back to the season. We'll look ahead to the offseason. We'll talk about last night. So, again, we're kind of hopscotch everywhere, and hopefully you know, folks can – can follow the bouncing ball here, but let me let me at least first start with last night. Uh, you weren't broadcasting the game, but I know you were watching the game, like so many people that are listening to the show right now. And um, I'm not sure that it was done and high and dry, and and you know start planning the trip to South Beach, but it was pretty damn close when you're up 19 a few minutes into the third quarter, and you're thinking, all right, Raptors going to take care of business, and are they're they're going to they're knock off the Rosen, and now they got their sights set on Lowry. What in the holy hell happened? I'm with you, man. I, I have my Speedos and my life jacket all packed. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, man, I'm, I'm back with my Scully hat on. Man. So, I, I, you know, the course of the game, you know, the basketball game is a bunch of runs and how you're, how you're playing, how you're executing. I'm looking at the Raptors in the first, let's say even three quarters, the first half and the first quarter, first the third quarter, and just their defense. You know, I know it's a big thing about making shots and the free throws, and that's huge. But when you look at giving up 37 points in the fourth quarter, that's closing time. That's winning time. That's basketball time. That's the part of the game where everything is supposed to be that much difficult for your opposition because you've made your adjustment. You know what they're going to do. You know who the hot man is. And you can't give up 37 points. When you look at the rest of the quarters, and it's 23, 24, 25, and then you have a 37-point outing. With all that being said, you missed all of the free throws. You missed 18 or 18 or 19 free throws or whatever it was, and you still had a chance to win. But Zach Levine going off, and then that the other guys start making shots that they were missing early on. So defensively, once again, they just didn't hold the, they didn't hold the end of their bargain, man, when it comes down to that, because that's how you're going to be a good team on the defensive side. Al, you know, it's funny you say that, because I'm looking at the 19-point lead, and you – it probably should have been about 24-25, as you say. And Eric and I talk about this. You know, Nick Nurse even said, when you miss more than 10 free throws in a game, you're probably not going to win. And they were, you know, they were like, I don't know, 10 for 19, or they, they were around 50%. And that 19-point lead probably could have been 24 if you make some of those free throws. That changes, doesn't it change Chicago's look at it psychologically? Like, I give Chicago credit for not folding and continuing to chip away. And they did, they did their best to change things up defensively. I, you know, I went back and watched the game. They, they changed things up defensively. And it was like, okay, Zach, you look after the offense and we'll, we'll all look after the defense. I, I just felt, even though the Raptors were up 19, there was an uneasiness about the numbers with the missed free throws and Toronto having more turnovers than Chicago's, Chicago's turnovers, the, 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 uh, the field goal attempts were the same. Normally Toronto has way more attempts than the opponents. Like all of those numbers, even though Toronto was up 19, it didn't, it didn't point to being comfortable. Yeah, I mean, and that, that, that's how you look at the game, right? You can see the numbers, you can see 
the analytics behind everything. But if you're looking at the game and you can see, first of all, it's only the first half. So any lead in the first half is not a secure lead. Like it's just, it's just the game of basketball doesn't work that way. Now you have to figure out how do you can, you know, expand that lead and how you can swell that lead or maintain it. And it's going to take a team effort. And I always free throws, of course, but you know, anytime you're shooting the basketball, that's, that's, that's like an individual aspect to it because you look at the person who's shooting it, if it goes in, if it does, if it doesn't. Free throws is the same thing. I always go back to the defense. Defense is a team effort. When you when you know your team is clicking, like you look at the first half, for me, the Raptors' rotations, they were sharp. They were communicating. They were closing out. They weren't flying by, jumping at three-point shots. They were protecting the paint. They were holding DeMar down. They were, they were doing everything. They were sound defensively. And that, to me, I like that piece so much because that allows you to see how the team is really motivated, how they're communicating, how they're together. Individually, guys are going to miss shots. Guys are going to miss free throws. That's not a team thing. That's not a team thing. So I'm always coming down to this point in the season, like who has the best team and the most consistent team? And a lot of times you'll see it through ball movement, not necessarily shots made, but ball movement body movement, and then defensively if we're on the same page throughout the course of a possession. So, Al, what happened then? You said you liked everything you saw in the first half, and, and I mean, obviously even a few minutes into the second half, you know, you, you, you just built fourth the lead up to came. 19. Say it again? Yeah, the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter came. You gave up 37 <laughs> points. Right? I, no, I get that. I get that. But how? Why? What happened? Like, how does the, how does well, the switch get flicked in the other direction so quickly? Uh, I, well, Zach, he, and I, Zach, for me, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no. Right. I, I would and, jump in and, here, Al, and and I would say it. He, I didn't think it was flicked that quickly. I thought Chicago started to take the momentum back with their defense in the third quarter, and and that one lineup that you said, Alvin, Zach Levine. They put Zach Levine out there without Demar, and the Raptors had game plan for Demar, but all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, there's no Demar on the floor. It's Zach. Okay, well. You know, we'll play it straight up. We'll play it this way. And he started cooking people. Yeah, and, and you know, the difference between Zach Levine and DeMar, Zach Levine's game is more is farther away from the basket as well. He has the mid-range. He has attacked the rim, but he has the three ball. So now your coverages are going to be a little different. The, the floor is more spread out. With DeMar, you know DeMar is coming to you. Right, Demar is coming to you. You put a big body on him, OG, and then you try to meet him with bodies and try to get him. Demar want to get to his spots. Zach Levine doesn't have spots. Zach Levine is going to let it fly from wherever he catches it, or he's going to get somewhere. He's going to go to the rim. So it's a, just a different approach. It's a, more, it's a different challenge for for the Raptors' defense. And you've seen Zach Levine throughout the year. He's hurt the Raptors when he's when he's played. So it's just that's the different lineup. But once again, defensively, when only watching the game one time. You can just see how things just changed. As you mentioned, Josie, DeMar was on the bench when they were coming yeah. back. Like, yeah. DeMar wasn't playing great basketball. You know, Zach Levine was the one carrying it. And then next thing you know, Patrick Beverly hit a three. And Patrick Williams hit a three. And things like that. So now you can't overcome that, that mountain that, you know, that the, the, the Bulls are starting to create in that fourth quarter. So it was difficult. And now you put yourself in a situation in the fourth quarter to make – Four, three pressure free throws, you know, when you haven't been shooting three, I mean, free throws all game. So 
have his mission well all game. So it was just a tough spot to be in for the Raptors. So, so Al, l- l- let me ask you this, just because you brought up the free throws. There's no way to have this conversation without acknowledging the I don't know if it's the elephant in the room or the or the the bird, the hawk, the screech of, of Demar Derozan's daughter with this, <laughs> this the the wailing. I know you heard it over the television. We all heard it in the arena. I mean, you couldn't escape yep. it. I'm getting text messages like, "What the hell is that noise?" And then, of course, we come to find out. Like, might be a stupid question, but it pretty it seems pretty like a like an obvious question. How much of an impact did that make? Because is it is it just some great fluke that this was the second worst shooting percentage for a free throw percentage? For the for the Raptors all season, uh, uh, and 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 the team that averages like seventy five plus on the year goes out and shoots fifty percent and misses eighteen free throws. Hey, I mean this is the world of analytics. Hey, just see how many times she screamed and how many how many shots were missed. We can, just, we can see the impact there. Which I mean, <laughs> that's that's put in the analytics books. That's something they can put in the stats next year. So, but, I mean, as a player, you would hate to say that that impacted the guys making missing shots. But just like free throws, sometimes missing those things become contagious. You've seen yeah. guys that are very good free throw shooters. Then you're like, oh, the next person get up there and make it. Guys really start thinking about it. Like, they, uh, I got to make my two. Let me make my two. Well, we missed two in a row last time. I got to make one. Like, guys just start thinking about everything else other than make going walking up there and making that shot. And then you, you, you fall into that type of rhythm as well, which is a negative rhythm. So, I can't. I can't. Even though I would love to give baby girl Demar's daughter, I can't. I can't remember her name, but give her all the credit in the world. But you know, I, I wouldn't. I would not say a professional athlete would allow screaming impact their uh, their ability to make free throws. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Al. Like you, I mean, that's the stuff you do in practice, right? Where you can't touch the guy and you can stand right beside his face or lie yep. down in yep. front of him or what. I mean, you got to make those free throws. It, it's 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 like. You know, it, I always say it's the comparative is a golf swing. There's nobody bothering you. They can't touch you. You know, there's lots of time, and the only pressure is what you create for yourself. And and I just, I just thought the Raptors, and they, I, I agree with you, Al. It, it falls into that contagious and and mindset, and and you you get into that. And here's the other thing I'll say too, Al. When you're when you're confidence is taken and you're trying to kind of put the genie back in the bottle as the Raptors. I, I wasn't so sure about some of the decisions in terms of the turnovers, like the execution was, was there. The chance for the execution was there, but the, the pass was off. The timing was bad. It was passed too close to the defense. They waited too long to pass it. All of those things and Al, there were so many live ball turnovers. You're helping them get back in the game. You're. This is something that Toronto usually does: live ball turnovers, get out and run, mm-hmm. fast mm-hmm. break. I just saw that all shift in the third quarter. Yeah, you no, know, no doubt about it. And it's amazing that you know you you watch like for instance, you watch the first half. To me, the first half was one of the best halves that the Raptors had all year. And like I said, I didn't get, I didn't see this game two or three times and really break it down, but watching it, I'm watching their defense. I'm watching how they're unselfish with the ball. I'm watching how they're making shots, you know, whether they're tough shots or whether they're one-on-one opportunities. But for what, some odd reason, it's not just the Raptors, it's basketball teams in general, they will not stay with what, what's bringing them success. And it's not as easy to stay with 
what's been successful. It's not easy going to the same play or the same player when they're hot or coming to the same action because the defense is making adjustments as well as Chicago Bulls did. But sometimes you'll find yourself trying to do too much or you'll find somebody to say, you know what, everybody scored, let me get my rocks up. And then what that does is that just breaks the morale of the team at times. That breaks the morale, and it's hard to get that rhythm back. When another team is competing and trying to stop you, and one thing I tell a young kid, don't break your own streak. Don't break your own rhythm. Like, don't, you, don't do, you do everything that you need to do to keep things flowing. And sometimes that happens. So you over-penetrate, or you hold the ball a little too long, or you take a contested shot. And then just like those free throws, that becomes infectious. The next man will do it. Instead of having that system where you constantly have the continuity, you have that. You know, the Raptors, they, they're really good at isolation basketball. They, they, that's kind of their thing, isolation basketball. But when you get to those teams that's game planning and they're, they're locking down on defense, it becomes harder and harder. That's why you see the NBA shifting to more body movement and ball movement, and the Golden State philosophy and the old San Antonio philosophy. But, you know, it's just hard when, you, when you're getting that rhythm and, and you can't get out of it. Jones, you got anything else on this game, or do you want to start going bigger picture? No, let's go big picture. And, and Al's been in that locker room when you the, the season ends. Uh, you don't win the last game, and you, you sit down on your stool, and you start to look around, and you wonder who's going to be here and who's not going to be here next year. We know there's going to be changes, Al. Like, you can't, you can't avoid it. I mean, you know, even in college, when you're on a college team, you know, somebody graduates, somebody gets hurt, somebody transfers. Like, this team is going to change, and and you know, you know what what mindset should you have as a player going into the off season? In addition to listen, we didn't get it done. I need to be better. This is going to drive me. But but what's the mindset going into the off season? You know, it's all going to depend on the individual. I think a lot of the makeup, the team makeup, you know, depending on how the team presented themselves all year and not just the Raptors, any team, it, were they together all year, were they disjointed all year. And that last day, that's what it's going to be. If you were to, a team together, usually the better teams and the teams that were together and they played that level of basketball when they won the champ, when they win at a high level, you know, they stick. They stick together. And, and when they lose, it's disjointed. So I'm sure that now you look at the Raptors, you're going to have certain individuals thinking about their future. And then you're going to have certain people – you know, just ready to get back at it, right? Because they're going to be with the Raptors or they feel like they're going to be with the Raptors. But I think, honestly, man, it's one of those moments where when you lose and you, you let it sink in a bit, but for the most part, it's an individual mindset. It's an individual thought process. Like, what am I going to do? Whether it's, whether am I going to be back with the team? Where I'm going on vacation? Am I going to work out? When is my, when, when do I start? You know, I think it's one of those things where you kind of decompress and, you go about your business until it's time to come together again as a team or certain decisions are made that you're involved with. Okay, Al, let me let me throw a bunch of stuff at you here. Um, using even last night as a, as a Jonesy, I think you used the word microcosm last night when we were talking about um, on, a, on our little post-game vlog there. Al, last night, everything that we talked about over the course of the season seemed to kind of come to fruition. The inconsistency from the perimeter, at least in the second half, at least in the fourth quarter, because they looked pretty good in the first half, whether it was the winning or losing the turnover battle, winning or losing at the free throw line, the lack of depth, the lack of production from the depth that they did have, not getting much of a lift from the second unit, having to lean on the starters that much more, etc. When you put that all into a nice little pot, 
we've been talking about these topics ad nauseum throughout the year, which then leads to the offseason and Jonesy's point about changes will come. Did this team underachieve? Did they overachieve? Were they exactly what they should have been and what we thought they were, and that's why they finished that 500, and thus changes are needed? Like, Al, you've been in the management. What are you doing? I, I mean, if you want to talk individual names, go for it. If you want to talk big picture, just general, that's fine too. What do you do to put yourself in a better position next year to fix a lot of these issues I just brought up and to put yourself back in a position sooner than later to be competing with Milwaukee and Boston and Philly and now Cleveland and New York and the guys that have started to try to separate themselves a little bit in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think to answer your first question, I think it was the team definitely underachieved. This team underachieved. Um, there were a lot of variables behind that, you know, not having the, the lineup intact, a lot of the games, missing starting lineups, missing starters, different lineups, and things like that, injuries. But, you know, I think when, you, when you're looking at the team and your management, are we good enough to compete? What we have right now, are we good enough to compete? And that will probably be no. That'll probably be no with with the Boston's and the, and the Milwaukee's. But do we have players that are good enough? I believe in my whole. It's not you're not gonna find many guards better than Fred VanVleet. You're not gonna find many wing players better than you know Pascal Siakam. You're not gonna find many two way players better than the OG. You're not gonna find many play young players better than uh, Scotty Barnes, a, a role player in in Pirtle that I think made the team much better. And once he once he arrived in Canada, so once he arrived back to Toronto, so you know as you mentioned, strengthening the bench, however that looks, shooting from the outside, however you can find it. But I also think there's there's way to com- there's ways to combat that. You know, it's, it's ways you know working with the personnel, and it's all going to be about the relationship and and the communication between the coaching staff and the management. How does the coaching staff intend to play the game next year? How are they looking to play with their current roster? Now, if they're not going to have that roster, now we might have to adjust some things. So I think it's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of, you know, honest conversation, transparent conversation. And then, once again, you have to see what a Fred Van Vliet is going to do. You're going to have to see other guys that's under contract or free agents or restricted or unrestricted free agents. What are they going to do? Because that's a big piece of how you're going to move forward. Yeah, Al, I mean, and, and moving forward now, there's so many – um, questions going forward. Uh, you know, I know I, Nick Nurse talked about it in his exit interview uh, with the media and, and talking about, you know, wanting to win, Masai wanting to win. That's why they have a good relationship. And, and there are some people that, that feel that, you know, a coach's voice wears out after five years. I personally, I don't believe that. I mean, I look at, you know, a guy like Greg Popovich and I know he's won, but, you know, Nick has won in Toronto. You look at, I mean, you look at a guy like Doc Rivers has has moved from job to job, and it's not like he's changing his philosophy. I mean, it, it's he's the same guy. Um, you know, where does the front where does if you when you're in the front office, where do you start with uh, building the team for next year around philosophy, coaching, like all of those things? Al, what's what's your checklist starting from the top? I will have a conversation with the coach. You know. Where do you see us going with this roster? How how do you see us? Fit, how do you see this roster fitting your style of play? 
is there any adjustments to your style of play that can get the most out of this roster? So I think that conversation between the management and the, and the coaching staff is, is, is warranted and is needed. And I also believe, you know, you have some veteran players that's been around, you know, with Nick, with the coaching staff, championship days, bad days. And I think when you talk about a Fred or you talk about a Pascal, they're mature enough and the OG to get their opinions as well. You know, I know there's a lot of talk about you don't want to give players too much control or too much influence, but I think it's important to get the pulse of the direction because you may you may not agree with it, but I, I do believe coaches' voices, you know, they they get ignored after a while. And it depends on who's ignoring them. You talk about a Popovich, I mean, you got Tim Duncan, you got the older guys that they're not they're not ignoring your words, so the younger guys have to fall in place. But if the older guys start, you know, giving some pushback or seeing something that, you know, they're not agreeing with throughout the entire organization, that's where you have problems. So I think the biggest thing is really finding out, getting everybody on the same page. Because once again, I, I, you can't, you can't, I can't find five better players across the board, not better players, but without these guys on this roster, who else you would bring in? That, that, that's better than some of these players that are talking about being moved or what, a case like that. So, once again, I think it's a conversation and getting on the same page. And you never forget about your players that you currently have, if they can get better in the offseason. I think a lot of people, they're quick to look at other options or, or other or trades or free agents or draft picks. But a lot of times inside, a Fred Van Vliet can get better, a Scotty Barnes, Barnes, definitely has to get better. Pascal, does he get better as a playmaker, as a defensive person on that other side? OG, do you get better handling the basketball? So some of the players you have now, they still have room for growth. So do you give up on them all of a sudden? I'm not sure. So once again, it's a conversation. Al, we'll let you slide here in a couple of seconds. Um, the one guy that stands out to me maybe more than any, um, and listen, you, you already brought his name up. You know, decisions going to be made with Fred Van Vliet as far as his free agency and, and what he might choose to do, let alone what the organization uh, chooses to do. If he's not back, there's nobody on the roster ready to take the reins. So you're going to have to address the point guard position. Unless you're converting Scotty Barnes into your full-time starting point guard and your primary ball handler, there is not a point guard on this team that is going to be handed the reins you know, and the keys to the to the to the club, in my opinion. So then you have to address it via trade. And are you getting a starting caliber point guard via trade without giving up a quality player return? So now that means you're starting to look at other quality players on your team that you're gonna have to give up in a deal unless you can get said player via free agency. So to me, as much as it does start with the coach, no doubt you gotta get that in line. The Fred Van Vliet decision, whether it's yours to make or his to make, it's gonna have a massive trickle down effect on everything. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, and that's why I mentioned. I think it's, I think it's three. I think it's the coaches and the players. I said a couple of players that you trust. I think you got to have those conversations, whether it's through a contract or about a contract or whatever it is, or just the, the state of the team and how do you feel that we can get better. I think once again, the Raptors have those players that are mature enough. They've been around the block a few times. They, 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 they have the, they have the understanding of what it'll take for a team to get back on track, even if it's. People that are there right now may not fit, but to your point, yeah. If you if you lose a Fred Van Vliet, you got you got to address that. You have to address that because there's not too many other guards out here in this NBA. that's definitely on a roster that's going to take his spot. 
his spot and what he produced and what he what he gives the team. So you definitely have to address that. And once again, I think Scotty Barnes is a guy that you know he's going to be looked to be that Army Swiss knife. I think he's going to be that guy that's going to handle the basketball. They want him to score the basketball. He's going to have to defend. He's going to have to be all that. So he has to really, you know, coming into this third year, a conversation. He has to understand what that role looks like, whether it's an OG around and, and talking about like a, a veteran guy around, like around this league that can help him with the process of getting your body right, your mind right, your skill set right, and your understanding of what it looks like because he has the ability. And if he grows, if you miss, in a, if you miss a Van Vliet, if, he, if Van Vliet goes, he has to grow like night and day. He has to grow like now because that's going to be part of his role as that as that as that ball handler on the team and and a creator on the team. So but you you're right, you're right, e. you gotta address the, the Fred Van Vliet because once again, he's been a cornerstone for a while for this organization and without him being there and nothing to, to fill that in, it, it's gonna be a big void for the Raptors team without him being there. Uh, 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 Al Nick has talked about getting, you know, playoff experience for guys and you know a guy like Fred would be, you know, he has playoff experience, but he doesn't have it in this role. Same with Pascal. Uh, and then you look at the young guys like Scotty and Precious. Um, what are your thoughts on helping push that a little bit? You know, they're out of the playoffs now, but taking these guys to playoff games. Isaiah Thomas used to take Damon Stoudemire and, and the young guys to the finals to see what kind of intensity you have to play with. Are, are these little things going forward that can help in terms of the learning and, and, and making them better players come playoff time next year? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. I'm a believer of the more time you spend and the more, because these young, the young players, they're very young. They're, they're, they're very young. When I say very young, their, their biggest games were probably national AAU tournament, like in Vegas or wherever they play, like, these are big-time games. These are big-time games where you manage the media. You manage the travel. You manage the tickets. You ma- it's so many things that, that are managed that, that comes into big-time games, big-time moments. And it's not going to just happen by just, you know, losing and then going home to your family, going on vacation, working out, coming back. Like, you have to experience it. You have to, be, you have to want to experience it. So – but, but it's a two-way street. It can't be just, you know, say Messiah said, you know, Scotty, we're going to go and, and watch the first round, the second round, and, and the championship. And all these, we, we're, we, they got it. Scotty has to embrace it. Or a young player has to embrace it. They have to watch the film. They have to ask questions. And it's right there. If you look at the greatest of the greatest players, you, it's, it's there. No one's hiding it now. You're not hiding the blueprint of how you get successful. You talk about a Kobe Bryant. You see a Michael Jordan. You see some of these great players, LeBron James, you see how they prepare their bodies. You see how they conduct their relationships. You see how they ask questions. You see how they work out. They do a lot of things to become great. Now, whether they get the result right away, that's, that's to be so. But he, he, it's, it's things like that. So I'm with you, Jonesy. Like, you have to invest time. And it's not just being on the floor passing them the basketball, showing them moves. You have to show them what it's like to be a true professional, what it's like to be a leader, what it's like to be the face of your organization, and the expectations. So I think it's huge if that was an opportunity for any young player to go into any of these situations in the postseason. 
Uh, we're going to keep the show rolling right to uh, the end of the uh, postseason, probably into the first week of the summer or something with free agency and all that. So I'm sure we'll be bugging you again. Uh, but great work this season on the Sportsnet broadcast. Always love seeing you and chatting with you and uh, look forward to running into you again real soon. All the best, man. You're never bugging me, man. I, I, it's a pleasure being on, on with you guys, man. And I, I'll see you guys soon. I'll be there for the Global Jam. So I'll be, I'll be, in, I'll be in Toronto. Chatting with Alvin Williams, and I'm sure, as I just said to him, Jonesy, we will hook up with him before uh, the end of the postseason, maybe a couple of times, as we will keep this show rolling every Thursday right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and your favorite podcast platform, Smith & Jones. But before we close this show, it's been 99% Raptors, understandably, given what went down with Toronto on Wednesday night against the Bulls. We will discuss the NBA and so much more around the league as we move forward with this show. But one of the other topics we will be discussing and keeping an eye on throughout the spring and certainly into the summer and into the late summer, early fall, is the Canadian national team and the worlds that are coming up in August, September. Looking ahead to next year with the Olympics as well, if the Raptors, or excuse me, if the senior men's team is able to make it. Too much Raptor in my brain right now. But speaking of Raptors and national team, Chris Boucher of the Raptors, during his locker cleanout, moving aside from NBA stuff for a second, he did address Canada basketball and the summer and his status and more. Here is Chris Boucher. Do I want to play for Canada this summer? I mean, I would if they asked me. We got a lot of good, good players, a lot of good. Um, you know, I, mean, I was watching Shea yesterday, and like, you know, he's amazing. Like, it's amazing to watch him play basketball and. Um, that's just one of the guys that we have. You know, we played Neymar when he came here. A lot of Canadians that are, I mean, most Canadians that came and play here, were like you just saw how you know talented they are, and it would be nice to see all of them together. Obviously, I think that would be a good good chance for us. We got a good chance to be special this year for sure. Jonesy, there's no doubt they've got a chance to be special. I would think, in my brain at least, there's no doubt that Chris Boucher is a guy that could help this team as as certainly a, a depth piece on the roster. Uh, whether he's a starter, whether he's coming off the bench, he's a solid player and a guy that could contribute and help this team. But he wasn't on the squad last year, and I wonder how much, and I know you're on the board with Canada Basketball, how much will management, let alone coaching staff, lean on what they talked about last year when they were asking for three-year commitments from players and those that stepped up having more of an inside track than those that didn't? Well, I mean, Chris was in a, a contract situation. Listen, oh, and, he, and I'm not a, blaming him. I understand. Yeah, it, yeah, but. no, it, and it's it's always been kind of the the fly in the ointment around Canada basketball. I think it would be great to have Chris get out there and 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 I, and I say this not demeaningly, but try out for the team, Eric. We're going to a World Cup, and I say this as a guy who sits on the board, and you and I have talked about this. A day is going to come where the Canadian national team is going to have to make some tough decisions. And thankfully the head coach is an NBA coach and Nick nurse with an NBA staff. And they're going to have to cut NBA players from our national team. I mean, think about all the NBA guys and all the guys that are potential NBA players, you know, a Zach Eady, like they're out there. I mean, you know, like, what about a Benedict Matherin? Like what? Like there are still guys overseas. Kevin Pangos. Like there's, there's, a, there's a, a like a, a like a huge deep talent pool. Add Chris Boucher to it. See how he fits in. But you know, there's going to be some tough decisions, and and you know, there 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 may be uh, some hurt feelings around 
the team that's selected for the World Cup and maybe a team that's selected for, or hopefully a team that's selected for Paris, France in 2024, maybe coming off the heels of a, a top finish in the World Cup. So it, it happens. And, and I think Chris, I mean, we know what he can do. And, you know, he would be obviously a great international player with his energy and his ability to, you know, to stretch the floors, his three-point shooting, his rebounding, his defense. Those are qualities that, you know, everybody would love to have. But, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that are vying for those spots. And, you know, maybe the fact that they've had a look before gives them an inside edge. I don't know. I mean, the best thing to do would be to bring him into camp and see what happens. But that and then again, those those deliver those decisions are 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 not uh, are not in my area of of somebody who sits in on the board. Those are personnel decisions. Well, and of course, one of the guys making those decisions or helping make one of those decisions uh, will be Nick Nurse, head coach of the Canadian senior men's team. Which obviously, to kind of bring this full circle and put a bow on it. The Raptors can't be concerned about the Canadian national team, but it would be, it would be kind of interesting is the best word I can come up with right now. Uh, strange might be another one if Nick Nurse weren't coaching the Raptors, but yet was still the head coach of the Canadian senior men's team. But that said, hey, there are coaches from other programs that are coaching other countries with Mike Brown maybe even being at the top of the list, and he's probably going to end up being the coach of the year in the NBA this year. And he's not affiliated with the – you know, senior men's team for the, you know, Americans or whatnot, right? So it's it's yeah. not out of the realm of possibilities that uh, Nick Nurse could still coach Canada even if he was not the head coach of the Raptors. But, again, don't want to put the cart before the horse or whatever. There's no reason to think that Nick Nurse won't be back next year. Either way, Jonesy, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Raptors, for Canada basketball, for coaches, for players. And for us, we'll keep it rolling, as I said, right through to the uh, playoffs, right through to free agency. We will keep it rolling every Thursday, so folks, make sure you keep it locked on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and especially on your favorite podcast platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. Smith and Jones, thanks for tuning in.